Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Brett Fierce. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, prime time live edition of the Anik and Florian podcast. And somehow I cut off Leon, Leon Edwards. Ray, I thought you did something about your about your dog. Is that your dog, Raymond? Uh, man, Is that man. really oh, what we're doing right now? Oh, oh man. Is it gonna, can you hear it that bad? Can you Kenny, hear can you hear the, uh, the dog? Oh, I can, I can hear Lucky. Crow. We're going to have problems because I, I can't bring her in here. Well, Unless I well, close this other door. Well, I mean, this sure is <laughs> heck is it the way we drew it up. Yeah, you Holy take your shit. time. Holy shit. This dog's it is uh, Thursday, October 27th. The year is 2022. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business. And it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. 
it's a half episode of the Anakin Florian podcast. Stop. Heaven forbid the guy mute the microphone when he can, leaves. I mean, this guy's up. Can we get luck? Can we get Lucky's uh, Lucky's name in the in, in the lower third there, Cody? I mean, oh, this bio. is the victory tour. This is the victory tour oh, for Ray Longo. God. Al Jermaine Sterling's chief corner. Anyway, we're very excited to have you with us, especially those of you joining us live. Of course, this will be repurposed on our YouTube channel and likely on the audio side as well, although maybe fucking not, Ray. I mean, really? Really? He's going to sabotage the program like this? The reason we actually started 7.32 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and not right on the screw 7.30 was so this dude could go do something about the dog, you know? And yet if you... If you are a regular listener of our show, you know, Ray Longo has these Minutemen, right? This cult following that's sort of like anti-Anik, right? Who think I give him a hard time, you know? So what, what do you guys have to say for, uh, for Ray? So uh, we're very excited to be with you. We didn't get a chance to talk to Ray because he was traveling back from Abu Dhabi. So we'll talk to Ray. And then coming up, bottom of the hour, Bilal is remembers that, the that, name Muhammad little, will join us. Is that a little better? Sorry about that. Oh, for that the better? love no. of Did all things sacred. No. What'd you, what'd you do? I don't know. We can only hope she stops. So those of you may not know that Ray Twilight's on a UFC fight pass offering called Extra Rounds. Like when they're cutting you a check, would they put up with that type of secondary noise? <laughs> it's a serious question. I don't know. She's very temperamental. I don't know what the hell she's doing. Horrible. When can you, you hear it now, though? Is it, a little, it should be a little lighter, no? Yes, it's 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 manageable. It's okay. salvageable. It's great to see you. Welcome home. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And again, John, Kenny, John was a lifesaver. I had two tickets for my wife and uh, Joe Spinelli, uh, hey. which was saved the day. There was no tickets left. So thank you very much for that. And congrats on the re-up. I think that's huge. Very happy for you. Big news. Thank you, buddy. And uh, thanks for everything. The headphones, the the check. You guys are the best. And, hey, we love you. Uh, yeah. Standing room only in Abu Dhabi. Had to get Joey Spinelli in the fucking building. <laughs> right, that's how we found a way. Joey Mortgage. Sometimes you hold back the tickets because you just don't know what's going to happen, right? And yeah. oftentimes I'll give them to a colleague or give them to a fan. I love giving my tickets to a fan, but no, nothing made me happier. I was sitting on two tickets. Longo comes up to me. The missus needs a ticket. I mean, nobody who I'd rather have sitting in my, uh, my nosebleed than Mrs. Longo. So. <laughs> were, they, were they nosebleeds? I don't even know. They, You'd they have to happy. ask your wife. No, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, they, yeah, no, yeah. I don't think they, I don't think she was bleeding. I, I saw her after yeah, the fact. She wasn't. Bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who else wasn't bleeding? Al Jermaine Sterling, huh? I think not he had a, a little. I think him. he had a little nick on his knee, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Come on, let's let's unpack this bullshit because I don't even want to spend too much time on this other imbecile. But uh, yes, let us unpack this yeah. bullshit. I know you're laughing to Bank of America. Congratulations, second title defense for Aljamain Sterling. Right. Uh, TKO at 3:44 of round two after maybe a 10-6 in round one. Um, you talk us through it from your vantage point. It seemed like you or somebody in that corner saw the dislocation of the shoulder pretty early. What do you have for us? I look. I think the award goes to Ally Aquinter. I think he was he he saw the shoulder out immediately. Look, first off, the kid went in there. We don't know anything. He went into the fight not knowing anything. Uh, I don't know if it's sheer arrogance on the other guy's part that he honestly think he could beat Aljo with one arm. I'd love to know what his game plan was. I'd love to know, did the team think he had his chance in that fight with one arm, if that's what was going on? Hey, sure, was arrogant. It, was it hey, I'm a, sorry. Was like, it just a cash grab? I mean, I, I don't know. 
what I'd love to know what the game plan was to beat Aljo with one hand. That's that's all I want to know. And if it was coming out in sparring, coming out in training, did he put it back in and continue to train? I mean, Weidman's knee in the Bonfell fight, he had a bucket tear locked up. He had to kick it back in himself. But yeah, during training, we were always yanking his leg back in his kneecap. I don't know what else we got. No, I mean, I have a million things. Cody, can he go outside and get away from the fucking dog? Can I ask the viewers if it's as distracting to them as it is to me? No, I've been waiting a long time to obviously chop it up with yeah, you yeah, about yeah. this fight, but it is wildly distracting. That yeah, I can, animal, I can, I can barely I hear it myself. All right. All right. No. no, sorry. Kenny, am I making too much of it? Ken Flo, am I right? I can I be a little it. dramatic. I, I can be a little dramatic, you know, no, I can be a little dramatic. All right. Let's get into this a little bit. So I just, we sort of dissected this a little bit on our podcast, right? right. And I don't even know what the adjective adjective is to describe what Aljamain Sterling has sort of dealt with in terms of like, he, he becomes the undisputed champion by the wildest of circumstances. And now one of his two title defenses goes down like this. We talked a lot about big picture, how great his career now looks retrospectively, this eight fight winning streak, all the big names on it. Say what you want about how this fight manifested itself. I felt a little shortchanged as an MMA fan because I was looking forward to seeing the back and forth, but I certainly love the matchup for Aljo. I love him from a betting perspective, I think, against any 35er going forward. He should be favored to beat all these guys. Um, but as a fight fan, I felt shortchanged. I feel like I'm settling in for a title fight, and, um, you know, one guy shouldn't have even been in there in all likelihood, right? I mean, uh, you know, again, we're all we're dealing with things that Aljo has no control over. All I know is he did his job. One hand, two hands. He beat the shit out of the guy. I will yeah. give it up to him. I, he took it like a man. He could have tapped out early. But, like, again, I think he's so competitive that it just forced him to take even more of a beating. And, again, I just I, – I don't know what the mindset is to send the guy out for the second round. Like, there's a lot of stuff. He tells Goddard in the back that if my arm pops out, I'll pop it back in. Like – what do you do if you're at the athletic commission? I'm not even sure about that. I, he put Goddard in a weird position. Like, I, I don't think this guy could do anything right at this point. And it looks like he's just going to go downhill. Every, every decision he makes looks like it's just stupidity at this point. Kenny, I don't know if you have anything for us on that. We talked about it in our full episode, Mark Goddard being – you're receiving this information seemingly just before the fight. It's like, what do you do with it? I mean, I don't know. Have you ever disclosed an injury, Ken Flo, to a, a referee or a doctor or anything like that? No, no, definitely not. Um, you know, I, I think that that seemed like a, uh, a a way that he could have kind of a, an exit plan in case things went down. It was like, hey, I'm probably going to get in trouble at some point. You know, my shoulder could go out and he knew it was basically going to be the beginning of the end if that happened and um, probably wanted to the referee to know that, hey, if I get in trouble, you know, it's it's it was kind of like a Jedi mind trick, I think, of a way of him to get out of the out of the situation if he got in trouble. But it was a stupid idea, uh, you know, going in there in a professional mixed martial arts fight, let alone against Aljamain Sterling for the world championship to have a dislocated shoulder to do that. I think was um, was foolish because it was only going to go one way. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just curious, did his team think he could win that fight? I don't know. I mean, there's there, there should have been someone around, right? A coach, uh, somebody, letting them know, like, what? Wait a sec, you're going to get another shot. And that's what I was talking to John about. It's like 
it's not like TJ wasn't going to get another shot. It would have been annoying. He'd have to wait. But the only thing I can think of is that, you know, he needed he needed cash. I don't, I don't know. Well, that's that's well, you know, look, he did earn it. Like, again, he could have tapped out quick if he wanted to. But he didn't. He took 10 minutes of really just being kind of mauled to death. So, you so, know, I think he I think he got what he deserved. So I don't obviously you're not going out of your way to listen to our show, but I went to a different hotel in Abu Dhabi after the fight and I ran into TJ and his parents and he said he was basically faced with the proposition of another major surgery, sit out for a year or try to tough through the training camp and get to fight night. Kind of felt like he was able to get his body to fight night. Didn't necessarily expect that it would go out in the first sequence but you know maybe he should have been expectant that that would happen um but yeah it's a hard thing you know you don't know what his show money is but obviously he's missed a lot of time due to injury seemingly you know if you take him at his word in our fighter meeting he did say financially he has set himself up after fighting um but i do think it's hard for a lot of guys you know you make the weight you make the walk you know you make 350 grand or whatever it is to show it's yeah, a very yeah. difficult thing you can't make I, that money doing anything else i agree with you 100 percent on that no i'm not i guess i'm I, I don't know it just well no i'm not taking there's no side to be had like we no, no, bemoan the fact that we're not spending more time on aljamain sterling and we will get there but just a crazy circumstance and and if nothing aljo is familiar with those yeah no like again I think he did his job. He not only did he do his job. I don't care if the guy had one hand or one foot. The guy got the shit beat out of him. So it would have been worse if he didn't totally get the shit. And Aljo did pull back a couple of times when we told him to attack the shoulder. He really didn't wanna. I I'm not, I'm not even joking around. Yeah. I think there was one time he got hit. He's, I don't think he wanted to. I don't think he really wanted to do what we were like with the you know screaming yeah. for him to do because I think. Inherently, he's just a really good kid, man. And uh, that's not what he wanted to do, you know. So how was the whole experience for you overall? How was the weight cut and everything uh, with fight week? Was it all, all good? Yeah. I mean, it, look, it looked good to me. I don't get that involved the last two days. I kind of, you know, back out. You know, he spends with the guys. But it, I think the weight cut went, went really well. Yeah. You know. So in terms of. Spinning it forward, this is now two defenses for your guy, right? And, uh, you know, my twin brother, and by the way, Bilal Muhammad, Jason Anna, coming up 45 minutes, remember the show, right on this channel. He hates when I talk superlative, superlative, superlatively about, like, greatest of all time, greatest bantamweight of all time, right? And TJ Dillashaw kind of unceremoniously took himself out of that conversation with the performance-enhancing drugs, Right. But there isn't a long UFC bantamweight history. There aren't guys who have defended this belt time in and time out, right? Dominic Cruz's history happened in the WEC. And I'm just saying right now, you look at Aljamain Sterling with this eight-fight winning streak. You project him forward now against some of the guys who are coming up. You know, this guy, it stands to reason, is going to retire as the greatest bantamweight of all time. And he's done it in sort of this under the radar way with all of these circumstances. And now all of a sudden you look up, it's like, man, there's a lot of green stripes on the kids Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I did say this Kenny the week before when we were speaking that, that Jan fight, I think took a big weight off his shoulders. And I think this kid's just, he's going to get more and more confidence as time goes on. And I know he's got the talent. And I always tell you, there's still another 50% Aljo you haven't even seen. So I I think he's just starting right now, and he's in a great spot. So, you know, bring on whoever they want to bring on. So Hudo O'Malley, 
doesn't really matter. I think Aljo's in the zone right now. This is his time. And, man, he's capitalizing. So uh, I'm looking at the UFC Bantamweight rankings right now, and there is a number two next to the name Mayrob Dwalishwili. So the number yeah. two ranked contender. What are we going to do with Mayrob? <laughs> good problem hey, to have, right, for the Hall of Fame coach. It's, it's really a good problem to have. Uh, and, you know, those guys will figure it out. You know, Al Joe's talked about, you know, going to 45 if he wanted. But, you know, we still – I think Marab's one fight away, and, you know, there's a lot that could happen. So uh, Al Joe's definitely pulling for that kid. So it'll be interesting to see. But they're never going to fight each other. They're great friends. I mean – they're both part of each other's success. There's no question about that. It's like a DC and Kane Velasquez. You know, it's the same thing. Then they were never going to fight each other. You know, they weren't going to do a John Jones and Rashad Evans, you know, which look at the, what a disaster that turned out to be. So I think friendship over money is always the way to go. And there's going to be a thousand people that will say I'm an, an idiot, but money was never my garden and never will be. So. You know, I love what I'm seeing out of those two guys as far as a friendship and a team goes. How how long do you see Aljo at 135 pounds, or maybe how long do you see Aljo in the UFC for? Uh, listen, you got to really talk to Aljo. I mean, he definitely wants to do acting. He's he's a a guy that wants to test the waters with everything. So, who knows? I tell you, he's very he's at peace with himself now. He feels great. And I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to overstay his welcome, for, if that's what you're asking. Uh, but I don't think he's – I mean, I, like, again, I as a coach, I think this guy's in a groove right now that he's got to just ride it out as long as he can. Yeah. No, it's really cool to have watched his career trajectory and to see him right here. What's up with a post-fight interview? He's so good at the podium – yeah. addressing the media after the fact, talking competitively like an athlete, the Aljo we all know and love. Then he gets in that center of the octagon. He starts, you know, <laughs> using foul language, Henry's uh, whatever he says, uh, you know. The quirky Aljo comes out in certain moments, you know. I think that's the difference. I think people base him on his after those interviews. But if you see him in the scrums and the interviews in the back, man, the guy just talks beautifully about how he's helping his mother and things he wants to do and accomplish in life and help people. Yeah. It's a totally, like you say, it's a totally different feel. But I don't think many people get to see that. They see the antics, you know, after he's just had a big victory and he's, you know, he's happy as hell and the adrenaline's flowing and, and that's it, you know. So, uh, are we allowed to ask you if, if you make more money with a successful title defense or not? I guess we probably shouldn't ask you that. Here's what we'll ask you, okay? Yeah. He didn't want to be asked that. You see I, that I, don't know what, I don't know where you're going with it, yeah. All right, so uh, Anakin Florian LLC will cut you a check for $500 if you can correctly predict who Aljamain Sterling's next opponent will be. Also $500 if you can correctly tell us who may Rob Dwalish Willie's next opponent will be. Now, this doesn't mean sign fight. They have to enter the octagon. Chance for you to add $1,000, you know, to the... Uh you know, to the Longo Christmas fund or whatever, whatever it is you guys do. I mean, you've just flew your wife business class to Abu Dhabi. So every little bit helps. Uh, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling's next opponent. I'd imagine you're going to go chalk and say Henry Cejudo, but we need to know who will be next for Aljo and who will be next for May Rob Dwalish Willie. That's a good man. That's a really good question. Right, well, as you I'll, chew on that, Oh, I'll, do you have an answer? By I'll, all just, means. I'll just take a shot. I'm going to go. Originally I would have said Cejudo, but, uh, I'm going to go. It's going to be Aljo against O'Malley. Do you see 
This is Intel, right? I can't get anything resembling a fucking straight answer from this guy. But you dabble a little bit of cash, and then he gives you the most. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Okay, so, so what, it's not what, 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 what right. was the other one? May Rob. I guess it doesn't really matter because we have to talk about this O'Malley okay. Aljo stuff. Right, we'll right, table right. that one. But if you right. want to, you know, if you think it's going to be Sandhagen or someone for May Rob, by all yeah, means. I think it's Sandhagen. All right, so why why are you telling us that Aljamain Sterling's next fight is going to be against the now number one contender, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley? Uh, I mean, I think I saw something where he went back and looked at the fight, and he thinks he won. I think if he would have thought he lost, he probably wouldn't take the fight, but I think he thinks he won the fight, and uh, he, he you know he's going to take he wants the title shot. That's what that's what they offered him. They said whoever wins this fight gets a title shot. So. I don't. I think it's a no-brainer unless Cejudo can somehow sway the uh, the powers to be to let him in there, so he could bring the title back to Mexico. I think that's what he said he wanted to do. So, did you see the O'Malley Piotr Jan fight? Yeah. Uh, well, look, I was in the back. I was in the back. Right. And, uh, I did watch it, you know, but Aljo was warming up, so I can't say I watched it, but I did come back and rewatch the fight. I was going to say, if this was extra rounds, <laughs> you know, with that fat <laughs> weekly check, you almost assuredly would have watched it back. So um, so thank you for watching it back in advance of the Anakin Florian oh, podcast. What do you have for us on O'Malley and Jan? Man, that was a super close fight, man. Yeah. I, like in the back, I'm going to say, when I was in the back, I thought Jan got robbed. I thought he won the fight. But rewatching the fight, I think O'Malley got one and three. But it was really super close. But it, 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 I'm going to say I think it's the type of fight if you're a Jan fan. Look, wait, let me, before I even get to that point, I watched it today again with the guys in the gym. And with all of us standing there, 30-27 for Jan. They just wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm like, but this is – like super cl- I mean, this is close, man. I mean, you can't say it definitely isn't a robbery either way. And I'm going to say if you're a Jan fan, you're going to see it for Jan. If you're an O'Malley fan, you're going to see it for O'Malley. I, I think it was that close, you know. And, uh, you know, you got to go back to the score. You guys know how to score a fight better than me at this point. But, you know, I, I do think O'Malley did some damage in that fight. And he looked that, that- he looked pretty good, yeah. That's how I saw it, Ray. I, I yeah. had first round for O'Malley. I had third round for O'Malley. Yeah, yeah. I, I, round I thought it was Piotr Jan. Yeah. And prior to that, prior to him getting knocked down, I thought he was winning the fight. Right. Um, I, I don't have a problem. If someone said, hey, Jan won 29 28, um, I, I think they have an argument there. Um, I, I don't see the 30 27 at all. But if it went the other way, I'd say, ah, yeah, it's close. It was definitely yeah. close. Very, yeah, very close. Yeah, I, I think it was that type of fight, period. So, so was that. The next fight, do you think that's going to be the next fight, O'Malley and, and Aljo then? I think so. I think that's the fight to make. O'Malley's got a good presence. Uh, he could draw people. And I think, uh, like, again, he, he went into that fight believing that if he won, he was getting the title shot. So I think it would look weird for him not to take the title shot yeah. at this point, you know? I, I think I you should tell Aljo. Should... Go ahead, Ken Flo. I was going to say, Ray, sorry. Uh, I would assume that you guys really like that matchup. Based on what I saw the other night, yeah, I like it a lot. I think you should tell Aljo maybe he should try to take Sean down. Avoid some of those long-range weapons. Anyone who listens to our show knows, though, and we had Sean O'Malley on our show for the first time about two and a half years ago. 
He's an elite bantamweight, and he proved as much. And sometimes I think when you win a fight, you're less celebrated than if you lose a close fight, right? There are countless examples in MMA history. If Sean O'Malley lost this decision, everybody would be singing his praises even more than they are right now. But now people want to denigrate him to whatever degree or take away from him because, you know, it was a close fight. And, uh, you know, maybe Jan didn't get the credit he deserved for the grappling element. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I just think Aljo's strength and physicality. I'm no expert, Ken Flo, but just against a lot of these guys, right? Whether they're uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt or or more grappler than striker or not, I just you know when Aljo looks me in the eye now, two years running at every fighter meeting and says, "These guys, they just can't grapple with me." Like you, you start to believe it, you know. Well, I thought he handled himself beautiful in the in the fighter interview. See, he comes in, he doesn't just say things. He's got stats to back him up, too. He's very, very intelligent, always watching tape, uh, super student of the game. So he's always got a good point, you know, and uh, trust me, there'll be a big difference between Jan's grappling and his grappling when it hits the floor. You know, like Aljo, Aljo's a wrestler and a really good jiu-jitsu guy. He's not going to sit in the guard. He's going to pass. He's going to make things happen. I mean, he's crazy with the scrambles right like even when he knocked Dillashaw down he's all over you like he's yeah. like and he did it with Jan too Jan tried to get away and you could see he's like a cat he's just you know those are long leaps and then he's on your back and then he's making things happen it's uh he he's finding the I mean, I'm, I'm telling you his confidence is over the top now and unless you can do something to sway that you're gonna have a major problem with him at this point so you've had a lot of famous quotes in the corner, right? Punch a hole through his fucking chest comes to mind. I don't know what it was this time around. I don't know if it was show him no mercy or no mercy or whatever it was. I don't know if you're channeling your fucking Johnny from the Karate Kid. I mean, you, you heartless mother. I mean, my kids are you heartless motherfucker. Show no mercy. Fucking ripping shoulder out of socket. You New Yorkers, man. You got built different, right? If he wasn't a PD abuser, I would have never said that. But, you know, no, no. First of all, wait, hold on. I take it back. That's Iaquinta. I don't want to take his line. Oh, was the guy that was no raging out. I think that was raging out for sure. I was so impressed with what he did in the first round. I might have left the building at that point. <laughs> I, I was like, holy shit, this is a beatdown. And I was like, you know, he said it right away. His arm is out. But I acted like as if there was no arm out. You know what I mean? I, except when we told him to attack the arm. But I was really right. super impressed with that first round. I was like, holy shit, that was phenomenal. So I don't know. You're just you're just ruthless, aren't you, though? I mean, uh, hey, it's well, way, I mean, Ken Flo is well, the, yeah. the most ruthless. I mean, let's yeah, be honest. I mean, you know? I, mean I, I think that's normal behavior. 15, 25, 15 minutes, that door closes. I, me personally, I don't give a shit after that. I, I feel, yeah. I think I even apologized to one of his coaches, which I, I love all the guys in his corner too, uh, right. which yeah. makes it weird. But I think I did apologize. And I think he said, no, it's fucking war at that point, which I agree yeah, with. I mean, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's either you or them, right? Without I mean, a doubt. I mean, there's no, I don't want to see my guy get hurt. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. If they have an opportunity to hurt you, they're going to, I mean, that's the way yeah. you got to take it. So, you know. but just a weird, weird circumstance. What's the matter with this guy? I, I just If you think for a second, if Ben Askren is <laughs> stiff as a board, if you think for a second 
Ken Flo's getting one more elbow in, super necessary or otherwise. He is. He's he's not oh here to God. leave sometimes, things to chance. He's just not. John, sometimes the free shots are the best shots. You know what I mean? <laughs> it depends on the circumstances, right? It's like you get someone who's talking shit and oh yeah, you know, 100%. saying certain things. They're insulting yeah. you. The oh, guys, like, they, I mean, listen. it's like, yeah, it's like when I fought Joe Lozon, it's like, hey, man, like I. I could have gone for a submission. I didn't. You know, you got you to get a little I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, Dillashaw, this uh, Aljo's stand-up was an embarrassment to the whole division. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think, like, again, I think he got what he deserved. I think calm is a bitch. And, uh, you know, like, that. again, why would you go in there with one? I mean, that, I think, is just insanity. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Longo firing on all cylinders. While we're at it, you know, Ken Flo and I will bang on those Brockton boys, you know, Lozon MMA. You know, we're the Metro West boys. Every, you know, they, they, we don't have fuck no silver spoons, you know. Just because you live in the Metro West pocket doesn't mean Ken Flo and I, we did landscaping. We fucking dug ditches. That's you right. Know? You need to beat do up that, on yeah. that Brockton ass 2008 UFC fight pass. <laughs> That's why you guys are successful. Oh, you went through all those nasty, shitty jobs. I think everybody <laughs> needs that. So they never want to go back to that shit again. Hey, I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, some of this is tongue in cheek, right? I'm not your yeah. foremost example. Jay, John and I grew up, we, we only had a three car garage. We didn't grow up with those other four car garages, right? right. Unbelievable. Right? Three car garage. Look at you guys. Yeah. Silver spoon. Silver spoon. Unbelievable. You, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I should have known. Perpetually misunderstood. Perpetually <laughs> misunderstood, like a lot of people in the public eye. Uh, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, is supposed to join us any minute. So he's going to come in here as soon as uh, he's ready to go. Um, but we do have a couple more minutes with you. Um, yeah. Anything else UFC 280 related that uh, is worth discussing? Uh, obviously very impressed with Sean O'Malley and Betty Daryush. Islam oh. Akashev, man. Um, what was Wait, it like for you just the whole week? Uh Anything, anything. I you thought had it was for great, it. man. I ended up going down to Dubai for a day, also after the fight, which oh, was nice. phenomenal. Yeah, um, but no, the, the fight, man. I thought it was just the. I felt the excitement of that card, and I'll tell you, Benil Dariush. I mean, I I want to believe nice guys finish first. I mean, I hope they don't screw this guy. I thought that was a great fight for him. He, I, I thought it was just a beautiful performance, and. Uh, you know, I don't think he's the type of guy they like because he's actually a normal person, but he de he deserves the shot. It's so I funny so you too, describe Ray, you him. Think, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Ray, I was going to say, I, I, I think he deserves it too, but do you think he missed out on an opportunity instead of when they asked him if he wanted the title shot, he said, oh, I don't know, we'll see. But I, I felt like he missed out on, on a big opportunity to say, yeah, I want that shot. I deserve to be, you know, the next guy. I don't know. You know what the problem is, Kenny? He's he's just look. I don't really know. I know him just a little bit. He's walking around with his kid. He's yeah. just not that guy. And I don't think that should be yeah. what determines whether you get a title shot. He does what he has to sure. do when he's in there. That was a beautiful fight. 
against the guy that they it thought was, was going to kill him. You know what I mean? Like that he was a pretty big underdog. No, in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, he he made that look easy to me. He really did. He he shut that guy down completely. And awesome. I think that's that's I'd like, you know, listen, it's like talk with your fists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what he does. I don't think you, you should make that guy act like a, a, a circus monkey jumping around in there to get a title. <laughs> right. fight, I know. I know. Right? Sure. Why, why change I, the I, I guy? Agree. The guy's a great I guy. Yeah. I agree. But I think I think um, he could have said, yeah, I think I just proved that I'm the number one guy. I should get the next shot. Right. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have. I mean, there's, I, there's I, so I, many I, great fighters at 155. I think, um, you know, on paper and based on his performance, he should get it. But you know, a part of this is obviously asking for what for what you want and, and helping to to hype the next fight. He doesn't have to go full Conor McGregor, but right. saying, you know, you get a question: Do you think you deserve it? A, a simple yes would have helped. You know, yeah. he didn't even. Say yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. That's that. That's definitely not good. But I think his. Like again, I think he's a family guy, and he just he loves to fight, and that's Very what he wants to do. Yeah. And, he, and I guess he doesn't really, you know, I, I I think he's the type of guy that is expecting the organization to do the right thing when he deserves it. They'll give it to him, and I think that's where the disconnect is. Knowing him right. the little I know him, I don't know him that well, but you could see like he's just in a different space as most than most guys, you know. Well, but he, he can control. He can control. I'm not going to. Uh... Share my opinion. You can check out our full-length episode. I gave a pretty long-winded take on that. But I think it's funny when you sort of say, like, nice guys finish first, right? He's sort of like a self-proclaimed asshole a little bit, right? Like, he wants to kind of be this mean guy who keeps to himself, right? That is sort of left alone, you know? He is a nice guy inherently. Um, but I think that uh, he's just a fighter's fighter, man, and, and just a victim of circumstance right now. Hey, Ray, we're going to let you go, my man. We got uh, we got Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, uh, waiting on deck. But thank you for your, uh, your time. Congratulations on another championship fight victory. And um, we'll talk to you in the regular Monday slot, I guess, next week, um, with or without your dog. Oh yeah, that this is I'm 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 livid about that. Defeated no more. Remember the name Bilal Muhammad. But there he is. Let me tell you something about Bilal Muhammad. I saw the guy ten times. Didn't even say hello. Then the next time I see him, I have the shirt on with you and Florian. Hey, can I take a picture? I go. You want the picture for the goddamn shirt? It doesn't even have nothing to do with me. He knows Come where on. his bread is buttered. Anyway, hey, Bilal, great fight. Really great fight, man. Unbelievable. Here's a guy that backs up what he says. You got to love him. Hey, I think Bully's on mute. Yeah, Bilal's on mute. I think everybody's on mute. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Coach. Appreciate you. That really yeah, means yeah. a lot coming from you. Thank you so much. And a really, really good fight against a really tough guy. So, awesome Appreciate stuff. you, brother. Hey, Ray, I'm not going to cuss in Bilal's presence, but go take care of your fucking dog, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday, okay? This could be a bloodbath. I'll see you guys. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for for everything, and congrats again, John. And congrats, Bilal. Thank you. Bye, Ray. Ray. Congrats, Coach. Thanks, Kenny. All right, so on behalf of the Anakin Florian podcast, I would like to apologize for that fucking dog that just sabotaged our live episode for the last 30 minutes. Now joining us... I don't know what the number is now. Number three, number four, UFC welterweight contender. I think it's for Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad back in the United States of America. Successful five-week jaunt to the United Arab Emirates. It's uh, Welcome home, buddy. Congrats on a big one. 
Thank you, brother. Man, jet lag's killing me right now, but it, it was worth it for that. That five weeks was worth it. Uh, it, it was. It's painful right now, but it's all right. So I know Ken Flo has a lot that he wants to get into in terms of the fight, but I guess let's just start there and break down the fight, and then we'll have some fun with you on the back end, see how well you know your hometown Chicago Bears and some other things. But in terms of your preparation, right, and some fighters would deflect and just say, I'm focused on myself, but was there any particular area of focus for Sean or anything particularly concerning about Sean Brady that you were mindful of more than other things going into that fight? Uh, the biggest thing was not allowing him to push me on the fence. Obviously, every single person that had faced him or that I've, I've known that's met him or trained with him, oh, he's the strongest guy you're ever going to go with. He's the strongest guy you're ever going to go with. Um, Jared Gordon, who I know, uh, my boy, who shout out to Jared, who came down and trained with me, he was telling me, like, bro, I'm telling you right now, just put it in your head, this is the strongest guy you're ever going to go with. I'm like, bro, like, I'm not worried about strength or anything. He's like, trust me, dude. Trust me. He is. I'm just, I'm just letting you know so you don't get surprised in there. So it's like everybody building him up to be this monster uh, that's just a Hulk. So that was my biggest thing is training with these uh, Dagestanis. Everybody's like, oh, man, you're going to go in there wrestling. I didn't use it for offensive wrestling. I used it for defensive wrestling because every single one of those guys is so good offensively that I was like, all right, well, I know I'm better than a Sean Brady standing up. So I'm like, I want to keep this fight on the feet. And I don't want him to be where he's comfortable. And that's in a grappling situation. So I'll like, I'll use my defensive wrestling and just keep it standing the whole time. And it worked. I know your podcast is coming up in about 20 minutes here on the channel. So I don't want to steal too much of that thunder, but was just dying to have a few minutes with you after obviously another big win. One thing you said to us in the fighter meeting, you talked about leveling up and you've had all these training camps for all of these different stylistic challenges, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Damian Maya. And I think we can as fans look at how much you've leveled up as a striker in other ways. In terms of like the strength and conditioning, right? It just seems like you've steadfastly built this cardiovascular base and been so married to the game for so long now, right? It's like, I don't even know things about your personal life. And if I got married next weekend, you might be a fucking groomsman. Like we're close. <laughs> and yet I don't even know about that stuff. So how do you quantify in your own mind the extent to which you've sort of leveled up as a whole? Um, I think just from the beginning of my UFC uh, tenure till now, it's like I've, I've been through the ups and the downs. I've, I've, you learn a lot from losses, but I am a guy that learns a lot from wins. Even with this win right here, we're, we're looking at stuff that we did wrong either. Why do we get caught with this? Why do we get caught with that? Uh, training with the guys that I train with now for this camp, it was like, I was on an eight fight winning streak. I didn't need to go uh, look for a different team or tra train with Habib and them. Like I, I was doing everything right obviously, because I was kept winning. So, but for, I want to just keep getting better because in this game, once you tell yourself that you're good enough or you're at the top and you're comfortable there, that's when all these other guys come and beat you. And now training with these, uh, uh, Habib's team and seeing how good a lot of these young guys are that people don't even know their name, but they've been wrestling since they were like two years old and they're out here yeah. killing me. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Like, he's not even in the UFC. And I said, what's your age? Oh, I'm, 19 years old that I'm freaking fighting on this amateur show. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that just tells me that like, I'm, I still have a lot of more learning to do. Like Lou made a quote today in uh, one of his shows. And he was like, uh, shout out to Lou Taylor. He was like, you know, we drowned a lot this camp. We still can't swim. We're doggy paddling now, but like, I want to get a little bit more time with him so I can at least learn to swim some laps. 
Like we're, right. We still got so much to learn from these guys. And I'm just happy that they're, they brought us in there that much and they allowed us to join them like that. You can tell Lewis Taylor has a little bit of post-traumatic stress <laughs> disorder from this training camp. I can tell his social media voice suggests that he worked very hard helping you prepare for, for, yeah, uh, like we, we, we've been through it a lot. Like for him, you know, leaving your family for five weeks, his family had a family vacation. Uh, they went to the Caribbean and like, he has two young daughters and he's a guy that's always been with them at all times, taking them to practices, games, everything. So um, the fact that he was able to uh, willing to do that with me, uh, that's my brother for life. And like, like I said, he's a champion. He won a million dollars. He retired. He doesn't need to do that, but he wants to see me reach my goals because he, he brought me into this sport and he wants to see me reach the pinnacle of it. And we're going to do that together. And it just feels when we're looking at our journey, we're sitting on the airplane on a 16 hour flight. We're like, bro, just thinking back to where we were and where we are now. It's crazy. Well, thinking about going into the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight, you know, I think a lot of us supporters from afar (laughs) knew you could be good. But, you know, then you start to think, man, could this guy actually run the table and be the world champion? And, uh, you know. Certainly, we share your belief right now. One thing I said on our show, and I want to allow Kenny to get in here while we have a good signal with him, but just as Khabib Nurmagomedov enters this like egoless corner, right? Lewis Taylor and Mike Valley, right? They're not here for hardware or for trophies unless it's a UFC title belt, right? They don't get sensitive when you put Khabib over in the post-fight interview, right? When you talk about him instinctively telling you to go for the finish. It just seemed to be a perfect blend. And I know Kenny and I were both curious to see how you're going to navigate that going forward. I know Habib is a, a, a man who's wanted by a lot of different people, but um, I would imagine it is your desire that you would continue with uh, the mix you had this past weekend. Yeah, honestly, it was like a, it was like a perfect mixture. Cause like you said, like Lou and Mike Valley, neither one of them have an ego at all. Neither one of them are the type to be like, why is he talking louder than me? Or why did he, did, does he get credit or that? No, it's like all of us had the same goal. Mike Valley was willing to come down with me, for five weeks as well. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come down, whatever you want. Uh, none of these other guys got to fight. I'm like, bro, you have a gym to run. It's cool. Uh, I'll let you know if, if, if I go down there and I don't like the way it's going, then you'll come down with me early. But other than that, like you don't need to come down that early. Uh, I know you have a gym, a business to run. So do that. So like, that's why I love these guys because my circle, my team, they all want to see me succeed. And yeah, man, we're, we're already looking at going down to Dagestan in March uh, to train with these guys. Every single one of the, 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 the Russians that we met have trained with, they're like, oh, you got to come down. You got to come down. You got to come down. Habib's like, come down. I got you. It's all taken care of. So they're coming down to Chicago, actually, in November for uh, Usman's uh, Bellator fight for the title. So uh, we're going to get a little bit more time with them then. And then, yeah, uh, we're trying to bring the whole team down there in March to train with all, all those guys. Bilal, I want to talk about like the technical side of things uh, of what you got out of training with Habib and his team. I, I know you mentioned the spiritual side and, and how that's helped you. I, I do think there's an element to that that can help take, you know, that that warrior mindset to another level. Is, is that what you were talking about is how, how that helped you? How, how did that connect with you? And then I want to talk about the technical side of things as far as what they were doing for training. Yeah, like on the spiritual side, it's like they're very devout Muslims and in America we're, we're devout Muslims, but like where they are, it's, it's different because, you know, I'm, I'm in a team full of uh, like Latino Americans, we're Christians. So like, we don't have the same beliefs and religion. So, but when I'm with these guys, every single one of them has the same belief as me and they're telling me they're, I'm learning new things from them all the time. And just their mi- fight mindset for me, obviously like, 
I get you get a little bit of stress. You get like, oh man, you get a little bit nervous for the fights. But for them, they're when Habib's telling you, like, God's plans already written. That's it. You already put the work in. There's nothing else to worry about. And then you see Islam in the back texting and joking and all like it's they're like, I'm like, bro, are we about to fight right now or what's going on? But it just like lowered my mood a little bit because it just chilled me out. Cause I'm like, this guy's having the the fighting for the title and he's fighting Oliveira, who's on a crazy tear right now. And I'm like, if he's that relaxed, all right, maybe I need to be relaxed and chill a little bit. And you know, sometimes when you see somebody smiling, it just like calms your nerves a little bit. That's what it did for me a lot of the time too. Cause all these guys are just like in the back joking around. And, uh, it was just crazy like that. On a, on a technical side or maybe drill side, sparring side, are they doing things that are vastly different from what you and other teams are doing, do you think? Um, I think what they do differently, I mean, there's there's no, nothing special about it, but it's just – it's hard, hard work. There's uh, – every day is either um, we're, we're sparring and then after your three rounds of sparring, you're going five rounds of grappling. And they're five rounds of grappling. Then Habib's calling me in the cage and he's putting me on cage work where he's taking me down on the cage. And like, there's no time limit when you're in the cage with him. It's like, I'm like, no, the bell just rang. And he's just going until I either get up or like I, I drown. And for, for me, I was like, I'm not going to break with him on top of me. I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't want to look bad, but I literally, I, I just went three rounds of hard sparring, then five rounds of rolling. And then Khabib is just coaching. And then now he's ready to put his freaking uh, shorts on. He's like, all right, let's get in the cage. Now it's me and you. And I'm like, bro, I just did this, this, and this. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then Islam looking at me like, yes, he does not know how, he doesn't know tired. He doesn't train no more. He doesn't know what tired is. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like, what do I do? He's like, go in the cage, brother. Go in the <laughs> cage. And I'm like, I was like, all right. And then like, literally, I like, Lou posted a video and uh, it was like Habib mounting me. And Lou is just like, man, it's like watching your baby drowning and I can't go in there because I don't know how to swim. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, please, like, help me. But mentally, it just helped me because it was like, there's breaking points. And if you get past those breaking points, you know that there's, there's nobody in the cage that's going to put you in those positions that you were just in with these guys. And also, like, technically with these guys, like, Islam, for every count, like, I, I'm a, I have very good takedown defense. And just to see what his counters to my counters were, it's like, dang, I didn't even know that was possible. Because Islam's like a, a computer where he sees, oh, you're gonna, you think Dak's gonna work on me? Nah. And then he'll just adjust it to something else. So then that made me go, oh, dang, that's possible. And I'm like, it's crazy to see like the that's moves awesome. that they have. What, what's it like? Can you explain what it's like to roll? with Habib and Islam, like what level are they at? Have you experienced anything like that? What, what are they doing? That's that's special. Is it their heaviness? Are they just constantly move? Like, what's it like? What is it? Uh, well, for one thing I learned from all of them is like, there's not a, there's not a flow road. There's not a, you know, sometimes when you go with uh you know, when you go with somebody new and you're like, Oh, let me, let me go with this person. Let's shake hands. And, I'll yeah. play guard a little That's bit. And like, yeah, flow yeah. a little bit. There's yeah, yeah, none of that yeah. there. Like, they're ho- if, if you go with one of them, they're holding you down. They're not playing off their back at all. It's to get up. Like, it's right. MMA jiu-jitsu. Like, you get off the ground. You're, if you're on your back, you're losing. And I'm trying to play guard and everything. And I'm like, dang, five minutes is up, and I didn't do nothing. And then they're looking at me like, bro, you just lost that round. You just lost. What are you doing? Get up. Get up. And at the end of every practice, Habib's calling you out. Like, we're all sitting down, and he's calling you out. Uh, like, yo, you did this wrong. Uh, an aspiring uh, match, it'll be like two guys like, yo, he, you got better striking than him. 
Uh, he got better striking than you. Why are you striking with him more? I take him down. The goal is to win. I don't care if it's sparring or I don't care if it's the fight. The goal is to win. So going with those guys and, you know, I'm getting yelled at the first uh, four or five days because I'm trying to play guard. He's like, look at you. You just lost every single round these first four or five days because you're trying to play guard. It's not jujitsu. Brother, this is getting up. This is MMA. Get to your feet or get on top. So just that mindset change. And then also the difference between them two is like, Habib wants to drown you and he wants to, he wants you to like mentally break Islam like has a heart a little bit. Like he'll tap you out. He'll be like, all right, you know what? Your arms, they're dangling. Let me, let me get you in a Kimura. Like Habib, he sees your arm dangling. Nah, I'm going to, I'm going to mount you right now. I want you to, I want you to mentally break. So that's the difference between them two. It's crazy. I love it. No, I think people are going to really enjoy hearing all of that insight. And again, plenty more coming up with Bilal uh, here at the bottom of the hour. I rewatched the fight. I thought your post-fight interview was fantastic. Just just in terms of acknowledging that, you know, whether it's now or later, you probably were going to have to pass the Sean Brady test. It's circumstances here that you take his O. Uh, And there's a famous saying, to the victor go the spoils, right? (laughs) And if you are to, on a platform, take on the entire city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you kind of got to win the fight and winning it by knockout, I guess, makes it a little bit sweeter. It was sort of an interesting backdrop to the fight. Now, you guys were supposed to fight in December of 2020, I guess, at one point. But obviously, since that point in time, you have become main event Muhammad and beaten guys in the top five. You were fighting down in the rankings here. There was a lot to this fight. And maybe you took exception to the way he called for this fight, whatever it was. Some people suggested we saw a side of you that we had not seen before and I don't know if we had seen it before or not I know that you can have an edge to you but you sure as fuck were able to channel it in the right way it's got to feel good when you talk the talk um, <laughs> as a as a humble man that you are to to walk the walk like that it's got to feel pretty good to uh, to be able to do that and perform yeah like you said uh, the way he called it out the way he was and then I had so many of his friends and cousins in my DMs like stop being scared take the fight you're a coward this is right. right. and I'm looking at it like bro are you guys serious right now so like yeah it pissed me off especially coming off of like fighting three of like the nicest guys in the world and Damian Maya Wonderboy and Luke like none of them guys gave you anything to like want to come at them for and uh, so fighting a guy that actually did and then talk trash to you a little bit and I just felt disrespected by the UFC in general because I'm like, bro, I just fought number five twice, uh, beat number five twice. Why am I going downward now? And I just felt like they don't want to push me. So I was like, oh, you know what? I got to go out there and I, I got to go out there and show them my worth. And I feel like I did that. You most certainly did that. You got the bonus. And uh, we're in the business of handing out money right now. So uh, before we let you go, we basically have a $1,000 proposition. It's Ken Flo's money, essentially, right? So essentially, if you right now can predict who your next opponent is going to be, Anakin Florian LLC is going to cut you a check for $1,000 the night you guys both make that walk. So we're not talking bout agreements, fight falls off on weigh-in day, right? It's our best way to get an honest answer as to who you really think the promotion is going to give you next. Because the the list gets shorter as you continue to pluck off contenders. So for a thousand bucks, again, you lose no money in this exchange. We just want to know who you think they're going to match you up with next, because obviously it's going to be a big name. Who I think I'm going to walk out to the cage and actually fight is Hamza Chimaev. I think that I, they're talking about, I don't think Kobe's going to fight him. I think me and him make the most sense. I've been calling for that fight forever. I think that one's the one to do, especially on a, a co-main event under Usman and Leah. 
I absolutely love it. Uh, I got chills. I'm very excited. We're so proud of you. Uh, you know, you're Let's an easy go. guy to root for, man. You've worked so hard for this and uh, just couldn't happen to a better dude, man. All the ducks are aligned. Um, what'd you get room service night of the fight? I saw some uh, I saw some stuff outside the room. Did you guys eat well? Bro, it was terrible. First of all, because like, <laughs> I didn't realize it was that late. It was like 4 a.m. Uh, once we got back to the hotel. So then I told my brother, my brother and them were at the hotel. I was like, get pizza, get wings. I don't know where they got pizza and wings from. It was like the most, <laughs> it, was, it was like, it was like wasted calories. Like the next day I woke up, I was like, bro, this is, this is so much, so bad right now. And I was like angry that I ate that stuff, but uh, I'm a dessert guy. Anyway, I had a bunch of people bring me cookies and stuff. So I, I was All happy good. with that. Yeah, we had a hard time getting food, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Congratulations, man. Uh, enjoy it. We know the grind continues, but have a great show tonight. And, um, you know, we uh, we appreciate you repping the hell out of the channel the way you do, my man. What a fucking stud. Great job. Yeah, great always my brother. Job. And congrats to you, brother. Congrats, I know you're Best Thank in the game. You. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, guys. All love right. you guys. There he is. Love you, too. The number four ranked UFC welterweight you, contender, Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. It's a big win, man, and the list really does get shorter. If you don't believe that Colby Covington and Hamzat Shimaev are going to fight, that's the fight. And it's under Kamaru and Leon, and God willing, it happens in the UK where we haven't done a pay-per-view since uh, Hendo and Bizping Act 2. Big things for big things for Bully, you know? I mean, Ken Flo, like, I feel yeah, like I mean, when... He, he's earned it, man. He, he's... He... I feel like when we started his show, you know, maybe he was like number 20 in the world or whatever, you know, Cody would know better probably around there, but, uh, very good stuff. Um, all right. Ken flows back to battle bots duty on the West coast. We are back in our regular slot Sunday, Monday. We will recap UFC fight night, Calvin Cater versus Arnold almighty Allen and, uh, anything coming out the backside on UFC 280 as well. Thanks for indulging us with the live episode. Don't forget bottom of the hour, Bilal Muhammad, Jason Anik, remember the show live every Thursday on this very channel. And uh, again, thanks everybody for uh, for checking us out. We will talk to you uh, in a few short days in the regular slot. Until then, yo fucking later. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.